0: Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be kind of back in the pulpit here. I don't think I've preached from the pulpit since December 24th. And so it's good to be here, it feels good to be here, the, the connection and the love and the people and the singing and the choir and just the goodwill that is in among our culture and our community here at St. John's is just such a powerful, powerful thing. I was reminded of that over the holidays, the soul of our congregation, the amount of kindness and love, of, 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 of gestures of generosity, of people coming to worship. Almost 5,000 people worshiped here on December 24th, unreal, and ushers ushed and preachers preached and musicians sang and played and directed, and God used us in a marvelous way to reach the hearts and lives of many, many people with the love of Jesus. And from Thanksgiving to Christmas, our our people rose up in service. That's that's the soul of our congregation continuing to, to grow in service and care, and and from the, the confirmation groups that went up and stuck flowers on the floats to Project 23 to individual acts of love and kindness. That's the soul of the congregation within which you worship this morning. It's what we're all about. It's what, what we do because it's who we, who we are. This week in our school, we welcomed 30 students from Korea. And it was awesome hilarious. They, they come in, they're quiet, they're respectful, they're dignified. They are a whole different thing than Orange County kids. <laughs> and Dr. Hollett said, he said, it's amazing, Tim. I go, what do you mean? He said, well, our kids wondered when the Korean students kind of messed around and had fun. And, and the Korean students said to our kids, well, we go to school from eight to three and then study group from three to five. We have a little dinner, we do homework, and then we go to bed. And they said, but what about Xbox and PlayStation? And then the, it was, you wonder who's mentoring whom on that sort of a feast. But that's the soul of this congregation. We rejoice in those things. Since December 23rd, we've had 13 deaths in our church. Yesterday, we had three funerals. Pastor Michael Hayes preached to an absolutely jam-packed church at the death of our beloved kindergarten teacher, Linda Warnicki. The first funeral was out in Anaheim, was only eight people. The middle funeral at Saddleback Mortuary was about 150 people, and your congregation was represented well off campus. As a Thursday morning ladies Bible study group came around their member at the death of her daughter and sang and prayed and loved and cared. That's the soul of our congregation. That's what we do because that's who we are. Last week, there was a few of us who played hooky. We were involved in very significant strategic planning. And you know, St. John's, we're never content with where we're at. We did not have three days of let's sit and have a mimosa while everyone else is working in church. It just doesn't work that way. We're critical of ourselves. We're able to look with a raw perspective at how we've gotten to where we're at and what that means. We looked even more carefully at the future and where the soul of this great congregation is going and what it's going to be like and what it means to double down to win people to Christ in our own neighborhood and in our own community. And what it means to align the great resources that God has provided here in a way that transforms our own neighborhood, our own region, and even little parts of the world. Thank you to those leaders who were a part of that for a very transparent, very frank discussion that came with action items and things that will help us push forward with our ministry into the future. Thank you for your good work. Thank you for being a congregation that loves God and loves people and that makes a difference every single day in every single life. That's what the ministry of the baptized is. That's what we do because that's who we are. Once baptized into Christ, this is what we do. And the power of that and the effect of that is just starting in our own. In our own church. It's been an odd fall for my wife and I. And it's odd not because we're weird or anything. Oh, we're a little weird, but whatever, you know, we're all a little weird. This is the first fall we've not had any sports stuff that we've had to go to. Usually, the middle of July, I would get a soccer calendar and Joan and I would sit, and we'd put all our events on the thing, and we'd say, well, this Sunday's going to be rough. Sarah will have to wear a uniform this Sunday. Uh, We had had all the the Lutheran High football games when our son played years ago, and we played up until December up in the Home Depot Center, and I drag myself to church on Sunday morning and go, oh, come on, man. You wrote your sermon Thursday. Why does it seem like it's so long ago? And, And this was the first fall, none of that, none. And it was bizarre at first. (laughs) Barbara and I would look at each other last fall and we'd say, well, today's a home game. We're going up to Azusa, 5 o'clock on Saturday. We're going to sit for an hour between Weir Canyon and the 71, and then it's 10 minutes to Azusa. It's great. We'll we'll get there. We knew where all of the yard house and BJ's and McDonald's and Lucille's were on the 71 on the way up. we, We, this year, didn't go to one of those places one time. And I got a little more money in my pocket to prove it. And honestly, it was kind of nice at times not having to go here and there. But there are some pieces of that that I really missed. And one of those was the beginning of the soccer game, and they I always introduced the keeper first. And I was like that. I always think that's appropriate because, of course, the keeper is by far the most important person on the soccer field and the leader. <laughs> The teams warm up, they do their thing, they hang out, they jump up and down, the girls got all excited and then, they, then they'd kind of stop. And the address announcer would say, starting goalkeeper number one for your Azusa Pacific Cougars, Sarah Klinkenberg, Berg, Berg, Berg. <laughs> and I got a surge from that. I gotta tell you, I got a surge like, that. yeah! That's our kid! She's going to destroy you today. You're going to take 200 shots and she's going to stop all 200 of them. She's a wall back there. If you nutty Fresno Pacific people even knew what you were getting into, you wouldn't have come down from Fresno. Love that part. Everybody cheers, and Sarah comes out, and then the team, the other 10 girls, they come out, and everybody cheers, and there's this marvelous, marvelous energy as the spotlight goes off of all the individual stuff, and the spotlight comes on to the team together. I always loved that part of sports, and I really loved hearing the name Klinkenberg over the address thing. It seems to me as if that's a little bit about what happens in Mark chapter 1. John the Baptist has got Jesus coming down from from Nazareth to be baptized. And he says, now coming into the game, number one in the scorecard, number one in your hearts, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph and Mary, son of God, Redeemer of the world. John says, not about me. I can't even undo this guy's sandal. I'm not that good. The father comes down and says, this is the one. This is Jesus. This is my son. This this is the one. My son whom I love, the one with whom I am well pleased. It's like the father in heaven sends his son Jesus out the tunnel, and the whole world is looking at him. The beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus was all in. All in. Every healing moment, every sermon, every quiet time, every miracle, every moment with a person. There wasn't another one to be looked for. There wasn't another one on the way. This was the one. Jesus, the Messiah, brought into the middle of the game to bring forgiveness, life and salvation to the people of the world. To restore the relationship that God has with mankind. To make those who have been orphaned, children of God. Jesus of Nazareth, a restorative presence in the world. I love that word. I read a book about millennials and that word was all over it. Restoration, restore, restores. I love that idea. What a marvelous theme. God is a God who restores. God is a God who has restorative powers. Every time Jesus snuck into a situation, a man whose eyes are blind has his sight restored. A man who's crippled has his legs restored. A doubter like Thomas is restored. A liar, denier like Peter is restored. A woman at a well is restored to community. A lady struggling, caught in adultery is brought forward and restored so powerfully that the crowd disperses. And there she is there with Jesus, who restores her spirit so much that when he dies, she's standing there at the foot of the cross. Everywhere Jesus goes, he brings restoration. There are times in my life where I'd never want to be introduced. Sometimes the kids will call and they'll say, hey, we'd like to come over and do laundry. And we say, okay. Never say no to your older kids when they say they want to come over. You always say, yes, yes, yes. But we don't keep baking around the house. And they'll come for breakfast. And so I'll go down to Ralph's off Weir Canyon Road. And and I'll be in there with flip-flops, red shorts that are the most comfortable things I own. a size. XXL t-shirt that's just big, sloppy like a big dress. Packer hat. Just praying that no one will see. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a, an insecure nightmare that the, the people from the store would say, and now entering at the south entrance, Reverend Timothy, oh no! I see people from church in Ralph's at 7 o'clock and I hide from you behind the Oreos. It just is what it is. I don't want to be introduced. I don't want to come out. I look bad. I smell bad. My face is bad. I'm not all dolled up and handsome like I am now. And it's just a whole different thing. And I don't want you to see me with five pounds of bacon coming out of the store. There are times in my life where I just don't want the spotlight on me. There's days maybe you... Identify with that too. There's days. I just like to take the covers and put them over my head and say God choose somebody else Put somebody else in the game. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the energy today Find somebody else and put them in I'll sit on the bench I'll wait until someone is injured and the coach can put that superstar in and I'll just sit in the background Jesus I don't mind cheering. I don't mind clapping my hands today. I don't want to go in the game. Introduce somebody else. My sins are too overt. My broken pieces are just, I can't overcome them today. Put somebody else in better than me. And then that marvelous voice of the Spirit steps forward. I have called you by name and you are mine. You are baptized into Christ. And in that wet promise, God said, you belong to me, not to sit on the bench, but to get into the game, not to be a referee and correct everybody and throw the flag, not even to be a coach. You're here to play and to get after it. The little piece that Barb Schmidt read from the Romans chapter six, Have that memorized after the funerals we've been through. That in our baptism, we are buried with Christ, and in our baptism, we are raised with Christ. There's no mention of a bench and laying back there. But resurrection and new life empower us to be God's restorative people in the world. You and me, we're not on the bench. We're in the game, sometimes reluctantly so. One of my favorite movies is the movie Hoosiers. Little did I know that Jimmy Chipwood, the, one of the stars of the movie, was a kid down in Newport Beach who really didn't play a lot of basketball, but really looked like he was from Indiana. It was a pretty powerful work of makeup. But there's a point in the movie Hoosiers where they're working towards a state title and the story is this little school from Hickory of got eight players and one gets hurt and one fouls out, and, and, and then they're in this huge game to go to the state championship. And the last guy on the bench, his name is Ollie, and Ollie's four foot nothing, and he's been the trainer and the wash the uniform guy for the whole year, and he's the last guy on the bench. And Gene Hackman winks at Ollie and says, Ollie, you're in. Like Ollie had played every minute of every game for the whole year, and Ollie goes, I ain't going in. So sure enough, Ollie comes off the bench, he goes in, immediately he's fouled. Gene Hackman calls the team over and he says, after all he makes, both his free throws. And the crazy religious guy holds on to Ollie's hand to praise. Gene Hackman smacks the hand and says, make it a good one, strap." His knees knock and being pushed by one of the opponents on the foul line. With a little underhanded swoop, Ollie makes that first free throw and he just goes berserk. His teammate comes up to him and says, Ollie, after you hit the next one, we're going all the way. And Ollie hits the next one, and the last three seconds go off the game clock. No hiding, no bench, all in. Love that story. Sometimes God calls us to bide our time in training and discipleship and waiting. But make no mistake, we're all in the game into play. I've watched so many soccer, football, baseball, basketball, hockey games. Everyone on the team makes a difference, whether it's in practice or on the field during the game. Everyone on the team is a vital member of the team. You and me, husbands and wives, loving and caring for each other. That's part of the game of life. Grandmas, grandpas, moms and dads, raising children together generation by generation, making a difference, being a restorative presence in our own families. What a powerful thing that is. Workers who go to work on Tuesday this week with the restorative love of Jesus, not to sit on the bench in quiet anonymity, but to step forward as the baptized people of God, not as bench warmers, but as servants and players in the game of life the savior himself has called you to ministry and baptized you into his team so i think about how many sermons i'm going to write this year some of which are going to be calendared and scheduled and i can tell you what sundays i'm gone and what sundays i'm here and when i'm preaching and when i'm not from now until easter And then there's going to be those sermons that are just dropped on us that we can't schedule because grandma didn't wake up, or the baby got sick, or my grandson found my daughter and she was gone. As I think about those sermons I'm going to preach and those people we're going to bless, the baptized people of God. How can I be a better restorative presence? How can we as a congregation make a larger impact in our own neighborhood, and our own community? How can each one of us, no bench warmers, not fans, not referees, all players, all restores, all children of the Heavenly Father, how and when and where And to what extent will each one of us and all of us corporately, as the baptized people of God, bring the Father's restorative grace into a broken and lost world? I'd be willing to revisit that for a lot of weeks and think about how each one of us baptized into Christ plugs into the ministry that God has before us. Amen.